M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I've just been sitting there in the corner clutching my little anxiety blanket. This is Emsolation. I'm Michael, I'm from the suburbs, I can't play sport, and would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> Could I have birthed them? No? Feel free to perv. I mean, your genes are very strong. <laughs> very you. strong. I can't believe my genes aren't in there going, Scott, get out! You're in Emsolation. Am I putting a googie egg up my juts? <laughs> Hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. I do wonder when you guys do it. You know, I try to guess. I assume you all race out at 6.01am and download Emsolation and listen straight away, but I know that's not real. But in my mind, you do. That's how needy I am. I'm feeling good today. I've, I've strung five hours of sleep together for the last couple of nights. Elio's... Um, kind of settled a little bit with his sleeping. I mean, not sleeping through, nothing crazy like that, but uh, he's slightly better. And also eating again because, I don't know, I forgot with toddlers and with babies, sometimes they just don't eat and it's hard not to panic. It's hard not to go, oh, God. And he was just surviving on porridge for a bit, Uh, but now he's back eating his meals. And you know what I found I was doing? I was still letting him have three bottles and we've just cut the bottles down to one. I was like overfeeding him. So it's just the little things you forget. And then when it clicks into place, you feel so much better. But what I did want to do is make a few of you guys feel better because last night on Instagram, I posted a picture of Elio sleeping on my lap. It was about 9.30 and last night we put him to bed at 7 and then he woke up again at 9.30 and he just came out and he lay with me and then he fell back asleep. And instead of putting him straight back in his bed, I let him sleep on my person for an hour or two. And I put a picture of him sleeping and the caption was, I worried almost nonstop about his sisters when they were babies, about what they ate, when they ate it, when they napped and where they napped. I would never have let them fall asleep on me each night because we had a routine. I felt guilty all the time because of the rules I felt I had to follow. Not now. Now we do what we want when it suits us and I'm enjoying him more than I ever thought possible. I wish I could go back to 22-year-old Em and tell her that she's going to be okay, that her best is enough and to chill the f*** out. I tell her to stop killing herself with expectations, to slow down and to allow herself to experience the joy that comes with small people because you forget that when you're in the thick of it, there's so much bloody joy. Well, you guys, the response to that has been enormous, both on Facebook and Instagram, with a whole bunch of you saying, thank you for taking the pressure off me. So I I just wanted to say to any first-time mothers listening or anyone who's pregnant or anyone who's thinking about getting pregnant – The first time you have a baby, it is terrifying because you don't know what you're doing. But I need you to trust yourself and I need you to not place pressure. There's no right or wrong in terms of how they sleep and when they sleep. And as a having my third baby, it has just revealed the mysteries of the universe to me. And he is, I enjoy him so much and I'm able to put things down now and say that doesn't matter and this doesn't matter. And I get on the floor and I play with him rather than just trying to distract him so I can keep doing the washing. I stop doing the washing and I get down on the floor and I play with Elio and the joy there is so much joy when you look at them and he's so happy to see me all the time and he's the only member of my family besides the dogs who is happy to see me all the time (laughs) it's addictive and then you know they eventually become 13 year olds who won't leave their room and they grunt at you so enjoy your babies try not to just survive them is my only advice to you if you're a first-time mother because it's hard and tough but it's so good also. I mean, it simultaneously destroys you and builds you up. And I just forget, I forget so many of you who follow me and listen and who are part of my community do sometimes need permission from someone else to say, hey, sister, just 
take a load off. Don't feel so stressed about everything. It's going to be okay. You're doing your best. That's the whole point of this, ladies. And I know a lot of dudes listen, and maybe you can remind the women in their life who are mothers, you're doing your best. And you can't ask for anything more from a person in your life. 99% of you are doing your best. And that's all anyone can hope for. So just give yourselves a break, guys. This is my reminder. Have a little break. Look, it's a it's an interesting show today. I'm recording this intro after having already done Michael Lucas's bit and Scott's bit. Yes, Scott's back. He's back from the bench. He's ready to contribute in a meaningful fashion. <laughs> I just want to warn you that Michael Lucas and I go some places. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of jizz talk. You may want to make sure that it's just some private personal listening time when you listen to mine and Michael Lucas's bit. Feel free to put us on speaker when Scott comes in for some wholesome help. But Michael and I do go to Jizztown quite a few times. Um, we talk about, obviously, you guys, a lot of you are sending your kids back to school for the first time. Oh, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Ones and twos and preps and 11s and 12s are going back, I believe, today. My daughter's going back next week. You can imagine I'm just going I'm to not, – I'm not dealing very well. I'm, I'm in two minds over it. I know we have to move forward, but I'm also really nervous. About the second wave, guys, don't forget about the second waves. Can we all just agree, wash our hands, don't go out if we're sick, sneeze into our elbows, all those things. Let's just keep doing that really militantly. Well, uh, yeah, so you've been warned about Michael Lucas. Scotty's back to talk about resilience, which is um, something that's really important to me and I feel I'm really good at. It's one of those things that I will say I'm a very resilient person because I'm such a sensitive person. That'll make sense later. So strap in, enjoy. I hope you've gotten something from my ramblings. I never know where it's going to go. Normally I write it down. Today I just freewheeled, as you can probably tell. Uh, Michael Lucas is next to talk restrictions easing, a show about a lady getting pregnant, the dadula, and Lady Gaga and her song about, jeez, I'm so, so sorry. Also, not sorry. That's next. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Joining me now, fresh with a dinner reservation, ready to go. He wants Corona sauteed, Michael Lucas. <laughs> That's I can't specifically believe. what I'm going to ask from the chef. Yes, Corona sauteed. <laughs> I can't. So obviously, restrictions are starting to lift very quickly, and. You've already made a dinner reservation. Absolutely. I made them as soon as Dan Andrews announced the date, I went straight online and I booked from the place where there was that weird black box mystery challenge from MasterChef. I was on it. What? (laughs) Yeah, you know the one where they had to do the pressure test where they cracked the black box and then inside there was this crazy dessert. That was the restaurant Ides and I thought, oh, I wonder if that's available for places. And so I clicked and booked and it's my two-year wedding anniversary. So, yes, and also pools are going to open and you have to book lanes for the pools and I'm going to be booking that too. No, you're not allowed to swim. (gasps) Don't you understand? That That is the place where it gets transmitted the fastest. I'm banning Not in you from an indoor swimming. pool. I just am really, you've just rushed out there, bullet gate, and I feel like, you know, a lot of us are sending our kids back to school today. If you've got, say, a prep or an 11 or 12 or a 1 and 2, grade 1 and 2, your kids are going back today to school and I imagine there's a lot of feelings about that. You know, the homeschooling offices are being closed down. There'll be less day drinking by mothers. And I just think <laughs> people like you rushing out straight away, I like to look both ways before I cross the street. Well, uh, it's true. I am sometimes guilty of crossing the street while staring at my phone. That's something that I do. But 
I, I would just say that I I did get categorised in terms of my own workplace. I'm in the work from home category. The poor little mole like writers are not required to go into the office, and so I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm my life isn't going to change enough. But I can go out to restaurants very occasionally and swim occasionally, and I intend to. I'm sorry, I mean, it's legal. Uh, but you know. <laughs> Oh, my God, there are so many things that are legal that we wouldn't do. And that is, you're sounding like some of those freedom protesters in America. <gasps> I'm going to be real. <laughs> they do say that in every relationship there's a Trump and there's a Fauci and the Trump is the person that's blustering around. It does kill me to think that I am possibly the Trump in this scenario. <laughs> you are. So June 1 in Victoria, uh, everything's kind of opening up again. You can go stay at a hotel. You can go get your nails done. You can get your Botox done. Now you can have 20 people at a wedding and 50 at a funeral. So it's all mm. kind of the wheels are turning again. But I think we all need to sit down and don't you think we all need to sit down and agree on some rules? Like I feel like we yeah. as a society we need to collectively sit down and go, okay, we are going to – I mean, the big one is if you're unwell, still stay home. That's my big one. If you, and, and wash your hands and keep keep carrying your hand sanitizer around. I just think we all need to agree to be sensible, not you know go straight out and go to pools and rub our bodies against things and you know book restaurants. What, what's your vision of me at a pool? <laughs> Going and just. What? I don't know, rubbing my bodies against things. I'm going to go, I'm going to calmly do my outdoor swim in my lane, not have any, and I'm going to go to a restaurant and it will only seat, I think the limit is, is it 20 at a time or something? Yeah. If you are going to restaurants out there, if you are going to places that they can only have a certain amount of bookings and you can't make it, make sure you tell them. I've been reading stories of restaurants who had a booking of four, which is like 40% of their capacity at the moment and people just don't turn up. So that's it for them that night because they can have so few people and they can't refill the booking at the last minute. So don't be a jerk. If you can't turn up, make sure you cancel. But I just feel like I'm a little bit scared and I I love that also that the government have deemed the ski season. Guys, don't worry. We're going to be up and running for you guys to be tobogganing by June 22. <laughs> so relatable for so many Australians, the ski season. You know, I for one was just breathed a sigh of relief when I found out I could go to a black mountain run. Thank God. But I can definitely sympathise with all the people that live and work in that area, who a lot of which were affected by the bushfires. And um, and now they're coming into, you know, the, the, they have to make all their income in the next year. So I'm sure, look at me, I do sound like Trump. Jesus Christ, what has happened to Yo, me? You're Trump. Michael Trump. I think that yeah. your this lockdown has allowed you do have a slight inner hermit nature. You've got you've got like extreme extrovert in terms of going. You can go on stage in front of like yeah. ten thousand people and sing your heart out and and tell rude jokes about the dark corners of your marriage. But then mostly you do lot you do have a bit of a hermit instinct. And I think there's part of you that has felt a slight sense of comfort that the world has been on your page for a beat, but now we're all going back out and yep. and the hermit You'll era be back. is gone. There will be a second wave because you're all being dickheads about it. So <laughs> what I'm saying is if you do it cautiously like a turtle, just, just stick your little head out and go slowly, we might be okay, but everyone's rushing out to do laps and eat dinner. And I think <laughs> you'll all be back to my way of living sooner than you think. <laughs> And you personally will be and very also, satisfied and happy if that happens. I also want to point out, as a live performer, we're still screwed. So, yeah. good. I'm so glad everyone's get, getting to go skiing. But too bad for me. I make a living 
on stage in front of lots of people in a room. So I'm still stuffed. Cheers. I could see you pulling out the drive-in concert, though, that Keith Urban did. I mean, no, I overall, obviously, live performers, that is horrendous. They are going to be one of the last ones back. But yes. your crowd, I reckon, would do the drive-in. <laughs> really? <gasps> did he perform at a drive-in? Yeah, in Nashville. Right. Yeah, it was his big, big idea. Nicole came. She was in her moon boot. That's how the world found out that she'd broken her ankle. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he did a drive-in concert. Oh. I've been spending a lot of time on the internet, clearly. <laughs> I, could, I reckon your crowd would do it because they could put so much wine in the, I mean, obviously don't drink, drink and drive, obviously, obviously. No. But um, get someone to drive up. you and then sit in their yeah. car. I could see it being a good theme concert for you. Oh, I'm going to look into anyway, that. I like that idea. Go to the regions and do a drive-in concert at an oval. Oh, I'll look into Oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, I'll think about it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, look, speaking of spending a lot of time online, I have become obsessed with a show called Labour of Love and um, it's basically the Dadula. Yep, you heard that right. Kristen Davis, who you'll remember from Sex and City, Charlotte York, who had a difficult path to motherhood, so I understand why she's been cast as the host. She is there to guide Christy, a 41-year-old divorcee, through choosing a man to father her child. There are 15 contestants. That's right. You've heard right. This show is about a baby as the ultimate prize. And in the words of Kristen Davis, skip the dating and go straight to the baby making. Let's have a listen. She seems to have it all except one thing, a partner to start a family. For Christy, the labor is mandatory. The love is optional. I really feel at 41 and still wanting to have my own family, I've sort of aged myself out of the dating pool and I want to fall in love with the man that I can see as the future father of my children. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, prayers? <laughs> I love that your obsession with this has been born of basically a 45-second trailer. Just to clarify, Em has not yet seen this show, to my knowledge. I've watched, I've watched a lot I of have. it on YouTube. I mean, they're up to... Episode six in America, I think. Wow. Look, there's superb and scope for like- excellent puns. I mean, that's always an essential <laughs> element. There's, there's, I mean, you've already had contestants going, there's some stiff competition, and you've also had, had many at surprise reveals going, didn't see this one coming. Boom, tish, boom. <laughs> well, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head for that first one. I mean, I did spend some time watching a package of all the potential baby daddies and they seem like package. the dodgy older brothers Sorry. or fathers of the regular Bachelor contestants. Do you know what I mean? Like the offcuts from... Well, they've all got to be over 40, apparently. Oh, no, no, some or- of them are 35. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. They're all beefy and manicured and they've got bleached teeth. You know, they're all kind of slightly bulging out of their suits. You know, it looks like they might pop at any moment. And there's doctors, there's CEOs, there's a tennis instructor. There's even an ex-wrestler. Wow. But the thing is for me. Do you have to fall in love with her as well? No. Is that part of the deal? You don't have to. Because what about, can you have gay contestants going in? I feel like I could go and make a strong case to this lady. Well, but that was not in the romance initial... department. No, but uh, the idea is that she does fall in love, but she if she doesn't, it's not a big deal. But from what I can gather, all the contestants are hetero. Well, they identify as hetero. I don't know if that's truth in real life. They all look like the sort of people who would sign up to a reality show about getting a woman pregnant. And for me, that'd be a deal breaker in a man. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing you're looking for in a husband is not a desire to sign up to a reality show about the whole experience. I mean, it does exactly. it does make you think, is this, are we at the logical end of humanity? 
is that. But I think that often when a reality concept comes out and then I end up watching it and quite enjoying it. I felt it about The Bachelor. I even freaked out in Idol back in the day. I yeah. thought live being booted out live was too painful and it was the death of society. I thought it was just too much of a horrendous <laughs> thing to put people through and it was basically back to ancient Rome when you got the thumbs down of the Colosseum. And you experienced it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a big thumbs down. I got called Pauline Hanson. No, no, I don't think this is the end. I, I feel like we've still got – I've got a few ideas, actually. Oh, God, what? Um, Will of Fortune with sperm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a wheel with sperm samples on there and you don't know who it belongs to. And then – because there's more. I mean, this can go more depraved. And then there's all these women who want to have babies. They spin the wheel and they have to be impregnated by the sperm that they happen upon. It could be anyway. And then <laughs> then they have to – hang on, I'm just spitballing now. Maybe you meet the guys. Okay, I'm spitballing, spitballing. And they've all given a sample, but you don't know which guy's sample belongs to who. And maybe you fall in love with the wrong baby daddy and you got someone else's sperm and not the – do you see what I mean? It's like snap. Yeah. It's like go fish with baby daddies. Oh, I should not never be allowed to make a television show. <laughs> it sounds like it – that sounds almost like a crazy extension. This That sounds like labour and love in paradise. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, Ukraine. <laughs> But, I mean, in Ep 1, Ep 1, which I have watched a little bit of, Charlotte from Sex and the City, she asks, this is Episode 1, she asks the contestants if they've had a wank recently because and then everyone's kind of half of the guys raise their hand, the other half are lying, and then she says, because I'm about to ask you to give me a sample and sperm collection is better when there's a bit of a build-up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, then- once I donated sperm for research. Really? I'm, yes, I was writing a film script about a guy who had testicular cancer and had to donate sperm. And I was speaking to a sperm bank in Melbourne, and the doctor said, Well, why don't you just go through, you know, why don't you just go through the experience right now? I'll just treat you like you're a guy coming in to do it. And I was like, Oh, uh, and it, like just sort of said yes. And then did it. It was a very strange experience, just like the guys in Labor of Love. No, no, you, no, no. You go Don't into skip over area. the experience. Oh, no, I'm telling you, you go into the small area. There was some very dog-eared pornography magazines, all straight, I have to say. I achieved the goal and then took it out, gave it to the to the sperm technicians. And then the, the dude who was my research contact, who was the director of the clinic, he outed me to, the, like, he sort of said, so this guy here, he's not really a patient. He's here for a bit of research for a screenplay. And all those technicians looked at me like, oh, my God, you just wanked into a cup and, and gave us your sperm for research? What the hell? It was so humiliating. Oh, my God, that is a casual bombshell in our friendship. I thought I knew everything. When I go back. So when you're doing it, like, yeah. in... How do you aim it? Like, where do you play? When you know it's about to happen, do you place the cup like a little hat on top of your wang or are you afraid you'll miss Well, it? essentially, yes. I mean, not like a hat as in it's not sitting there vertical. That wouldn't be... <laughs> But yes, yes, you do. And also you're told things like the weird list of instructions you get, say things like do not use the hand soap as lubricant. Like who would do that? But that's a bit, that's a bit of an instruction that you get. Oh, my God. So someone must have done that before. It's like at the car park of the pub where it's got a sign that says don't leave babies in cars. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but then obviously someone has done that in the past for them to have to put a sign for the hand sanitizer. Ew. Oh, my God, I'm going to be thinking about that. I can't believe you've donated sperm for research. That is hardcore. 
that that is hardcore, yeah. um, hard. <laughs> but as they're told, as the dadgelers are told, they've got to go give a sample. One of them goes up to the lady and gives her a kiss and says, "Wish me luck, sweetheart." Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but let me pose this question to you: Is this perhaps the ultimate female empowerment reality show? Because this focuses on the lady and her want to have a child and the dudes are kind of like not very important except for the sperm. So is this the ultimate feminist reality show, I ask you? Yeah. Well, well, look, I'm not going to – I don't think that Gloria Steinem and Jermaine Greer when they were imagining <laughs> the future of feminism saw this show in particular, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that she's in a position of power, mm. sort of, and that maybe if you're looking at like some sort of like the future as, as a matriarchy, then maybe this is how it could operate. Desperate men lobbying yes. to have their sperm continued. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it, 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 I don't say it looks – it's not quite the feminist utopia I've been looking forward to, I'll be honest. <laughs> because, no, but I'm, I don't think the suffragettes had this wheel of sperm of fortune in their minds when they were marching. <laughs> but I do see a world where there's a show where gladiators fight – to I'm still spitballing shows to kind of make this a reality. I could see that with women who look like the Amazonians from Wonder Woman are standing with their hands on their hips atop a mountain and men are fighting for the chance to sell their, the, the attributes of their sperm to these people if they want to have children. Like we could really take this quite far. <laughs> Feminist reality is the new frontier for you, clearly. You're well positioned 100%. to dominate in I'm that ready. field. <laughs> Speaking of sperm, Lady Gaga has released a new song and last episode, you guys know, we spoke about how Michael and I learned that Watermelon Sugar High from Harry Styles was in fact about pleasuring women orally uh, on their bit, on their Lady Gardens. It's about sex. I think you've made the point, Em. You've you've described what the song's about. Yes, continue. (laughs) Mouth sex. My brain just glitched. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm trying not to say that the C word, the cunnilingus. Ew. Oh, yeah. It's so gross. Imagine if a guy came to the room and he said to you, cunnilingus. But get out. Get out right now. Go on the dadula. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to have a baby. Do you think fellatio so, sounds better? It does, doesn't it? It does sound a little bit better. But it's female fellatio. I don't think it's called fellatio. No, just fellatio in general as a word compared to cunnilingus. Fellatio. It sounds like, it sounds like a name that you would give your daughter. This is my daughter, Felicia. I'm really glad you didn't, by the way. <laughs> Felicia. Um, <laughs> Felicia. I didn't, I really, I really thought Lady Gaga's new song's Total Bop, Rain On Me, Have A Listen. And it's like, it feels like we're back to original Gaga, back to Poker Face, back to her roots. I'm loving it. I'm not so keen about the Ariana Grande inclusion. I feel like she's a great solo artist, doesn't contribute much in duets. I concur. But um, when you listen to this, Bob, did it at all occur to you that there might be a bit of a double entendre in a song called Rain On Me? I just assumed it was rain from clouds. Okay, I just assumed she wants to cleanse her soul. What is it? You're laughing (laughs) at me. Did you hear about the filter? Did you hear about the filter that Gaga and Ariana, they released... A rain on me filter, and what it does is on your face, it puts sort of drops of water 
white no. water running down no. your face. No. It truly, go online, check it out. And so all no. of these teenagers <laughs> have got shots of them and unfortunately it does look like <laughs> there has been some sort of I'm just ejaculation on their face. That's the only way to put it. That's the only <gasps> way to put it. So I'm pretty sure, no. I'm pretty sure Gaga knew what she was doing when she put out this filter and everyone in the world could see it, but not M. Rossiano. So innocent. I cannot believe she's asking for that to rain down on her. Who would want that? No one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Can God, I just ask, safe. Em, for you, when Madonna gets down on her knees in like a prayer, what is she doing? Praying. Praying oh. to Black Jesus. Oh, no. She wants Don't to take him like there a... in the midnight hour. No. She can feel his power. <gasps> when he's... I just thought she... No. And you know what? I mean, obviously that's a double entendre. She wants it to be read as though it could be praying. But I actually read an interview with with the uh, Patrick Leonard who wrote that song with her, said that the day that she came with all of the lyrics that she'd written for it, he begged her not to be as literal as to say down on his knees because he's like, everyone's going to know that this song is I, about giving head. And, no. and uh, But no, not you, not you. <gasps> In the midnight hour, I can feel your power. I just thought it was like the power of prayer, faith. Oh well, my it can God. be, but it can also be something else. <laughs> oh, Yeah, and his Lord moans when he's going, oh, Madonna, it's like an angel sighing. <laughs> anyway, listen to it again. Well. Listen to Rain On Me again and go and look at online and find all the no, people that not. have put on the filter. <laughs> Jizz on my face. The jizz on my face filter. Oh, jeez. All right, fine. Oh, my God. And on that note, we best be going. This is, this is the lowest of the low. This, we've actually hit a level where there was a whole segment of this podcast where all we did is just say the word, say cunnilingus and fellatio back and forth to each other. What's and going on with us? This where is why I'm doing here? a podcast. I love it because I can say cunnilingus and fellatio. Even though you dislike the words, we can still say them. There's no sexy way to say it. There's no, no sexy way to No, even the slang is bad. Head job, bad. It's not a, it's oh, not it's a good... Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's horrible. There's no good way. But that's okay. Yeah, look, this is what this podcast is. We don't know where we're going to go. We're going to start with calling you Donald Trump and we're going to end with Gaga encouraging white liquid on your face. I don't know. <laughs> we but don't that, know where we're going to really... go and yet so often the roads lead back to one smutty place. Anyway... <laughs> All right, we'll try and do smart free on Thursday. I'll put a warning on. Just let everyone know. Smart we'll call free the episodes. Thursday. We'll call it sperm a lot. Something just so people know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go off, and uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Okay, bye. This is Emsolation. All right, Scotty B's back. How are you feeling to be back? Back on the back, called off from the bench. Good. Yep, nice and fresh. Fresh legs. Fresh legs. Okay, this week we're going to hear from Meg, who has a very actually interesting one. Let's have a listen. Hi Em, hi Scotty. My name is Meg. I live in Sydney but I'm from New Zealand. Um, I'm 27 and I wanted to talk about resiliency. Um, I feel I am not a very resilient person. I let little things get me down. Um, I get really stressed about things that are beyond my control Um, and I just wondered if you had any advice on how to sort of control that or how to best manage it. Thank you. See, as soon as I heard Meg say all those things, I said me too because everything bothers me all the time. But then I consider myself a very resilient person because I'm able to kind of pick up and keep going from the 9,000 little hits I take each day in my own mind. So wouldn't you say her first kind of 
not mistake, but assumption that she's not a resilient person is incorrect? It could be. So the idea that I either am a resilient person or am not a resilient person probably wants to be challenged. Perhaps we could see it uh, resiliency on a continuum. So you've either got the resilience you're after at the moment to deal with what you got or you need to develop it because you want to move into bigger challenges. Is there a way that she could look at it as almost, I look at it almost as a superpower, my ability to take stuff in. I do feel it a bit hard then kind of bounce back. Is there a way she could reframe that statement of I'm not a resilient person? Um, yes, of course there is. I'm just trying to think what that would be right now on the top of my head. How do you do it? How do, you, how do you reframe a story you've told yourself about yourself for so long? Well, the first thing on that case is you've got to be aware that that's what the story that you are telling yourself. And in, in coaching, we'll, t- we'll use the technology of language and we'll talk about declarations. So they're things that you tell yourself or tell the world publicly about how the world will be for you. So you might be making a declaration to yourself, I feel I'm not a very resilient person. Well, as a coach, I would be wanting to just explore that and see how grounded that assessment was. When we worked with little kids, um, they'll say, I can't do that, you know, when we're doing some physical activity, you know, ball skills or whatever it is. I can't do that. Even if you just have, I can't do that yet. I can't do this yet. So you can just do those little uh, language shifts. And also, I think it's important to not be too hard on yourself and also remember that the fact that you're able to write a message into someone you don't know that will be probably aired on a podcast and, you know, I think that, that I, I think that shows resilience of character and of spirit and being that self-aware. So I really think if we defined resilience now for Meg, if you defined it without using the word resilience, what would you say resilience is? Well, the, the ability to bounce back from the, the setbacks and challenges and disappointments you feel. So the key recognition here is not that you feel overwhelmed by the challenges. It's your ability to go to recognise, okay, I'm feeling this, I'm, I'm notice I'm stuck or whatever, and then move out of it. It's not about that you don't actually feel challenges or don't feel like you're, um, you know, uh, struggling. It's, it's what you're going to do then. That's the key skill, the bouncing back part. Because, Meg, you're not a successful person if you don't feel anything. To me, that is the opposite of success. That is someone who's going to have a lot of problems down the track. I think the fact that you're so in touch with how things make you feel is amazing and a superpower and positive. And I think that you're still here, baby. Like, you're still here. Yeah, I mean, I did think, you know, you're from New Zealand, you're living in Sydney. So I would have thought that took some resilience. However, we're not here to dismiss the legitimate concerns. So we're just trying to say, don't forget about what you've got already in the in terms of the resilience uh, bank account. But of course, then we would like to grow our bank account. And as soon as I heard this, I thought of a, a show that we've been watching a lot lately, and I love it. You love it, Emmy. And it's a show that we've been watching with Elio, and it's Moana. For the people who don't know Moana, Emmy, give, give us a two-sentence summary. Oh, two-sentence summary of a Disney classic. Moana is uh, the daughter of a chief. Her island is dying. She feels it is her duty to sail beyond the reef and find a solution. Father doesn't want her to go, so she, but she goes anyway and in the end discovers that she's more than what she thought um, it's amazing. It's so good. It's such a good show. You should totally watch Moana. Also, as I've, I mean, people are going to think I'm sponsored by Moana that I mention it that many times a week. We love it. I mention it all the time. But how, um, how is Meg Moana? Like, what, what are you saying here? So what I'm saying here, there's some frameworks we can, we can draw from that. 
So in the film, she there's a, quite a few circumstances where she has to ask herself the question, who am I? So that's important. What is my identity? Who am I? And then she also has a bit of a goal in this movie, a mission, if you like, and it's to restore the heart, this special heart of the goddess Tefiti. So that's the goal. So she knows who I, who I am, what's the goal, and she's got a purpose because she, if she doesn't restore this heart because the ocean has chosen her, her island and her village and her people are going to die. The whole world's going to die. So there's a purpose. So these, there's some three elements. Identity, who am I? What's the goal here? What's my overall goal? Why am I doing it? Purpose. And then the other thing that's critical in this film for her to be resilient is her relationships. She's got the key relationship with her grandmother who encourages her and believes in her and she's got the key help at times from Maui, this other key character. So he comes and goes, but in the end, he does help her. So that also spurs her on too. So this allows her to see these setbacks in a broader context. So rather than get feeling, oh my God, I can't do this, small me, she realises with these, these surrounding contexts, she can expand in and keep going. And she has to keep going and she wants to keep going. So wrapping it up, how can you grow your resilience? How can you bounce back faster and maybe stronger? And for me, when I'm feeling flat or when I'm feeling a bit defeated, I remind myself of times where I have gotten up again the next day. And for me, when I lost the baby, I was back at work in two weeks and I was able to keep moving forward. And I think the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other when things are really bad, I think if you can remember back to those times where you have taken the next step, it enables you to take the little hits and setbacks with with a stride. And that is often what I ground myself in. I've gotten through far worse than this. So let's just shake it off and take the next step. And that is how I have built, I would say my strongest quality is probably resilience. That and my ability to name every single RuPaul's Drag Race Drag Queen and the season they were on and how they got voted off. But my other one is definitely my resilience. So I would say to Meg, you've already got it. And the way to build it is to remember times where you have bounced back. And like you said, attempt to keep, you maintain your momentum. So who am I? What's the goal? Why am I doing this? And there's gonna, it's going to take some intensity and some duration and you're going to have to stick with it too, which is in the language these days called grit. You're going to need to do that. And then there's a reality to all this. If there's an expectation that things are going to be smooth sailing in your life when you're going after things that you want, that is delusional. So setbacks and disappointments will come, so better to plan for them rather than hope they don't arrive at your door. That will allow you, when these setbacks come, to see them as opportunities, welcome opportunities to grow and learn, as opposed to devastating catastrophes that challenge your whole existence. There's a reality, there's the work you're going to have to do, there's the framing of it, the big picture framing of it, there's the um, remembering previous times you've had resilience and maintaining your momentum and there's also the self-talk piece around what you might be saying about yourself in terms of how you're evaluating your ability in this area all right thanks scotty b good job meg well done on being brave enough to send that in and remember everyone remember it's okay to feel shit it's okay feeling shit is good means you're alive it means you care the more you allow yourself to feel shit fully then you'll come out of it 
better and quicker. So true. All right. Thanks very much, Scotty. All right. Thank you. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. There's going to be a bonus episode of the podcast this week. That's right. Three eps are coming out. I'm speaking with my friend and favourite podcaster, Michelle Andrews, from a little pod called Shameless. You may have heard of it. It's like the number one podcast in the world, everywhere in the universe. Okay at least in Australia. I know that. I'm very excited to have her on. She's one of my favourite humans. I think she's the future. I think she's so smart and I want to pick her brain on behalf of you guys. And you also need to hear about the thing that I made her and Zara do when we first met. Oh my goodness, I'm still embarrassed. Um, Also, we have an Emsolation Instagram. It's at Emsolation Podcast, one word. Go chuck a follow. I just wanted to have a more streamlined way of communicating with you guys. Um, So it's a place to take suggestions, post your photos, just, you know, have a nice little community situation going. So that's at Emsolation Podcast. And I also want to let you know about a show on Netflix called The Big Flower Fight. You can watch it with your kids. It's Project Runway for Gardeners and Florists. It's amazing. I loved it so much. It's like someone went into my dream diary and made a reality TV show and everyone can watch it in your family. It's so great. All right, I'll hear you guys on Thursday. Bye for now.